All right, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, I can hear you. Marcus Castorup. Don't you think it's weird that like she just calls him Castor Rep sometimes? Yeah, his last name's interesting. Well, like I feel like she did it to to um Is it Gods of the Gates? Yeah, Oil? Gods of the Gates. Okay. Yeah. I feel like she did it though, like when she was feeling saucy. I feel like I wouldn't want to call my partner by their last name for that. Welcome to Our Podcast is Booked. I'm Cassandra. I'm Andrea. And today we are talking about Spoiler Alert, a novel by Olivia Dade. So uh, first we'll start with a synopsis of the book. So 36-year-old April is ready to step outside her comfort zone and share herself with the world. April is set to reveal her identity as the fan fiction writer, unapologetic Lavinia Stant, or we'll see as Marcus refers to her as, and post her most recent cosplay. She becomes viral instantly. And then in steps Marcus Castor up, who is the star of the hit TV show Gods of the Gates, which is the cosplay she did, and invite her to dinner because of all the Twitter trolls. They go out, they have a great time, and they start to form a relationship together. So I I think it was hilarious that their first date, she thought he was as dumb as a box of rocks. And I thought that was so funny. I mean, to be fair, he was acting as dumb as a box of rocks. Like, his public persona is just as he i think he refers to it as a golden retriever so yes i laugh so hard during their date <laughs> she she has this thought and it made me giggle so hard she says oh god compared to this meal the half-life of radium was going to seem yes. short <laughs> i like, had that one tab too oh i thought that was so funny as it's not typical that we find a any kind of romance where the the main heroine at first thinks this guy is just so lame you know normally he's right. like this dark brooding mysterious well put together alpha male kind of situation and instead she's like this kid is like a golden retriever he has no personality everything's fake and yeah, I guess it was kind of refreshing that it was not instant attraction. Well, Anne, remember, she said that she wished that it was Alex instead of Marcus. <laughs> so I forgot like, about that. She was going to go with him, you know, because they mutually decided that they wanted to put the trolls to their place. But then she said, I kind of wish it was Alex because even from his interview, <laughs> she could tell that Marcus was not altogether upstairs. So I always thought that that part was funny. And, yeah, that comes back later in the book. <laughs> but after their first date, they do a second date, which it ends, I mean, it ends badly because there's miscommunication, as there always is in a rom-com. And he doesn't know what he did wrong. He invited her to, 
he invited her to work out right and then they he invited mm-hmm. her to breakfast afterward and when she asked what he recommended he recommended like high protein healthy foods because that's what he eats to become like, his right. character Aeneas right and... essentially like typical diet foods that you would right see. which she has been burned in the past by so she says no doesn't want to see him anymore and turns cold however on the flip side of their relationship they know each other through the uh fan fiction world He's book Aeneas would never or Bond, and she is the unapologetic Lavinia Stan or Alsie. And uh, he kind of figures out what he did wrong there when they start talking. It takes him a minute, but you know, this whole situation could have been avoided. And honestly, this entire book had this problem, but like the lack of communication. Oh, well, I mean, they end up communicating well after fighting. But they're so quick to, um, well, she's quick to judge and assume that he has bad intentions. And he honestly kind of just rolls over and takes it, which I right. thought was a little weird, too. Um, well, because she just assumed that he was saying it out of a place of wanting to change her. And yeah. he was just inviting her to something that he was going to do anyways. I mean... Right, right. It's not. I, I get he, it. There's he didn't been, think anything of it. Right, I get it. There's been a lot of trauma, and emotionally, she's had to deal with a lot because of her parents. But you know, I just I kept wishing, after the multiple times they broke up, that she would just <laughs> have a conversation with him. Right. Um. It's hard for me to stand here and you know say this because obviously that's not the experience I had growing up so but also I just wanted to throw the book across the room because (laughs) please just sit down and talk you don't have to give him every single gory detail but just hey bare minimum bad experiences in the past I struggled to trust intentions and we need to communicate better or um I don't want to change or do these things right i don't know i'm not providing a great example right now but we'll get there (laughs) it was just driving me nuts through the whole book i'm like please just talk to each other you are grown adults however i will say miscommunication is a rom-com's bread and butter like that's really the only way that rom-com's happen is because they're at some point now this book has multiple points of miscommunication but typically in a rom-com there's you know that one point three quarters of the movie um in and they have that huge blowout where they like break up because of whatever they miscommunicated about the entire movie and then one of them has to do a sweeping gesture at the end you know like that that's a rom-com <laughs> yeah it is but, but i guess it was she just does it weird. a lot Right. It happened multiple times. It was like, oh, we're breaking up again. Okay. We're going to so have a- after after she refuses the date and he fixes it and they go out again, then they start dating. I mean, for quite a few months. And he's debating what he's going to do next after God to the Gate. He's debating if he's going to shed his public persona and if he does how he's going to do that so he doesn't look like he's been 
tricking his fans and thinking less of them because he still wants their support, obviously. And she is having so much fun at her new job. She has friends at her new job and her friends at her new job are going to help her with her cosplay for the um, Gods of the Gates. Well, for the convention that Gods of the Gates are going to be at. Um, and then, and then it's, was it her, it was her dad's birthday lunch or her mom's birthday lunch? It was her mom's. So yeah, her mom's birthday lunch, they go back to her parents' house for. And she kind of gives him a little bit of a heads up, like that she and her dad are estranged, but she doesn't explain anything more. All she says is that they're estranged. She doesn't want to. She doesn't like being around him, and she's just there to support her mom. That she knows in her head that she's going to have this talk with her mom about, I'm done with dad, and if you and I want to have a conversation, you don't get to talk about my body anymore, what I eat, what I don't eat. He doesn't know this, and so his goal going into it is to keep the dad away from her. And so she wanted his support for that, but he was just trying to keep the dad away. And so... That date ends in a disaster, too. Yeah. Golden Retriever Boy was <clears> in <throat> full force. And again, it was a situation where I wish she would have just told him, you know, side with me. I mean, they've been together at this point for a little bit. But you don't know every facet of the other person's per- personality or how they're going to react or whatever. But... Again, this is why I couldn't love this book. The The miscommunication just drove me crazy. Right. And, well, as soon as he got there to keep her dad distracted, he started talking with him about diet and exercise, which are two very big triggers for her. Mm-hmm. And so on their drive home, they stop in a parking lot to kind of have it out because he could tell that he did something wrong. And mm-hmm. so he apologized, but she had had time to process and she actually did apologize as well. She said, you know, I wanted you there. However, I yeah. didn't tell you. So like she acknowledged her part in that. However, then he messed up and he said something that only Bon knew, not something that Marcus knew. And so... Then it has to come out that he knew that they already knew each other. Because when he started dating her, Bond said he was leaving and wouldn't have access to internet. He said that very abruptly, right after she said she wanted to meet up, and she would drop Marcus for him. And she didn't have anyone else really to talk to, because she would talk to him like pretty much every night or just whenever, and... That was unforgivable to her after her very emotionally draining day. Yeah. Um, that was that was a bit of a foreshadowing, I think, throughout the whole book. He constantly stressed about his this character he was being playing online and how he was going to reveal it to her. And I feel like we probably all knew that it was going to come For out sure. poorly. For sure. Well, and he asked Alex how many times, like, I feel like I just need to tell her. But the reason he didn't tell her is because at the point in time when he should have, he didn't, he said that he didn't fully know if he could trust her with the information. Because if it came out that he was writing fan fiction, he could have been sued. He could have lost everything. Yeah, that's true. 
And Which I, I understand that. And she got frustrated that she couldn't be trusted and initially. But I mean, you just met someone and you're supposed to automatically trust that entire person with something that could end your career. I get why he didn't tell her initially. However, he did also know that she was Alsi. And so he should have known Alsi wouldn't have necessarily done that. But I maybe mean, he, he makes a good point. Um, people you meet on the internet aren't the way they act on the internet might not necessarily be how they act in person. Which is very true. So. And then obviously as more and more time went by, it just gets more and more awkward to kind of like bring that into conversation and be like, hey, by the way, we've known each other for years on the internet. Yeah. Although I will say, I did like the fact that despite the way that he did it, he did not talk to her as Bon while he was dating April. Yeah, but I mean, how thick-headed do you have to be to write? um, I'm struggling to remember exactly what he said, but he was very... I kind of think short with her online at first. He was just trying to make a very quick exit. I feel like he maybe could have. Oh, he was. He was very, he was very rash. He was very abrupt. And I think that's what stung most of all for her. Right. I just think maybe it could have been handled a little bit better. Could have been more of a, a gradual decrease. Um, Right, because she thought that she did something wrong by asking him to meet up in person, and she thought that he didn't like what he saw. Right. So then after that, they have one week until the convention. And she's going to be doing the panel with Summer, who plays Lavinia, and she is moderating it. She's going to be asking questions. However, they've just broken up, so they don't attend it together. She meets up with their online friends, and... While he is there, his friend Alex, who kind of comes in more and more at the end of the book, um, he just had some very devastating news about his handler that the directors forced on him for his drinking and partying that he had been doing in previous seasons because they didn't want him to do that again. And they said some really really not okay things about this woman. And Alex was very pissed off. So they go into a panel together and Alex outs himself for writing fan fiction because he had started once Marcus was no longer Bond, but he still wanted to write. And so they kind of were each other's beta readers and the internet goes nuts. And after that panel, it was time for April and Summer's panel, right? No, there was there was one in between. So okay. Alex had one by himself because I remember Caster, excuse me, Marcus <laughs> was kind of watching in the wings. And then they had another panel where oh, right. Marcus like reveals himself to be. Semi-intelligent and have thoughts and opinions on the show. Um, That's also the scene where 
he kind of declares his continuing love of April. That's right. I forgot about that. That was the first day, wasn't it? I don't remember the timeline of the convention. It's, it's all very mushed in my memory. Yeah, I, I don't remember. But I know immediately after, because um, I, I think Summer had to kind of book it to the moderated panel that April was hosting. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I think we all knew what um, Summer was up to when she was texting on her phone. Oh, during for the sure. Panel. Yeah, so during the like... panel, and then Marcus all of a sudden just appears in the wings, and then they're asking the fans are allowed to ask questions, and the first question is for April, and um, then they start asking her about Marcus, and then she kind of alludes to, well, maybe it's not quite over yet, and then he comes out. And he states that as long as she doesn't want it to be over, he doesn't want it to be over. Then they're back together. And yeah, that that was a great scene. Um, reading about the kiss <laughs> that they had in front of everyone. Right. That was sweet. And then the epilogue. It's a year later, and they are engaged, and mm-hmm. um, they're working on things with his parents. She's still trying to work on a relationship with her mom, but there are several times that she's had to just end the phone call because she won't stop talking about what she's eating, wearing, weight, anything. And I think they had to stop having meals together entirely as well because the first time they went to lunch together, April walked out. Yeah. um, I'm not saying it's unrealistic or that it can never happen, but there's a, a whole lot of trauma coming from parents in this book it's it's interesting to me like I said I'm not saying that never happens or it's not unrealistic but um I guess it was disappointing to me that we didn't really see April's mom improve I mean they really had a a heart to heart at her mom's birthday so that at the end I mean maybe the author was trying to relate to um, some people's experience because not everybody gets a perfect happy ending. You know, there's there's flaws or cracks. Um, but I, I guess I would have preferred a little bit more of a hopeful ending that maybe it wasn't perfect relationship with their mother, but they were working on it. But I suppose maybe and we that got the mother that. was improving. That would have been nice to see that the mother was improving. I suppose the author kind of did that a little bit with Marcus's parents in that um, they were still, you know, having lunch occasionally and uh, he, you know, gets to introduce her to his family and they get to hang out and talk. I know that part's not perfect, but maybe it's kind of a trade-off. Yeah, I mean... He even stated that they never really, like, apologized or talked about it. He kind of said his feelings, and then they kind of moved forward. They they didn't really discuss anything, which, I mean, if that's how they could move on from that, then that's how they were able to move forward. April definitely was his, like, bodyguard almost. It, like, stood up for her, and they were 
wanted to make sure that like yeah she was not gonna allow them to right. give him any kind of shit while right. she was there which i thought was that was precious i like yes so that is our synopsis of the book a little bit of a long one but um there's a lot to talk about with that book so why we chose this book um, originally, this was a book we chose to read together about a year ago. Um, I did read it. So this is my second time reading it. Um, we chose this book because we love romance books. And this book was receiving very high rated reviews. Um, for me, like my thoughts on this book didn't really change. Um, one of the differences was being able to see at the beginning where the author was including like foreshadowing and so, like, I thought that that's kind of cool to be able to read. Um, and then, of course, anytime I discuss books with you, I have some things that I didn't necessarily think about before. So not really super changed, but just some things that I didn't think of. Yeah, um, it was cool. I wanted to read this book because this is this is a plus size character. There mm-hmm. is no beating around the bush. There is no debate. And I love that there's not a ton of, like, agonizing over who she is as a person. I mean, she she does have to reinforce um, the idea that she loves her body. And I know it's, it's a continuing, like, process. You're not going to wake up every day and love yourself. But I love how April continues to try and, well, succeed. But... Um, yeah, I know on the internet there's usually <laughs> some debate about how big like Bryce is in Crescent City or Poppy from from Blood and Ash. And as much as I love seeing everyone's interpretation and you know um, different people see those two characters in different ways, I love that. But in this one, it's there is no debate. This is a plus size character mm-hmm. and she's been this way for most of her life. So she's had to experience a, a lot of, you know, snide comments and struggling to find, you know, clothing and being judged for what she eats and how much she eats. So from the people I, who love her most or are supposed yeah. to love and care about her most. Yeah. So. I, I love it that she's she's plus sized and she Same. she's loves herself. Yeah. yeah. So now we have our highlights reel. Um some top moments in the book. So some favorite parts or quotes. Uh for me, I had two favorite quotes. Um one is from Marcus, and he said most of all he'd give her love because he wanted to earn her love in return. It's not stated that because he loves her, she is required to love him back. It says that because he loves her, he wants to be able to earn her love, which I thought was like such an amazing distinguishing part of that quote, because I feel like that isn't necessarily said in rom-coms enough that, you know, obviously it's a rom-com. We know that they're going to end up together. We know that they love each other, but it's not necessarily talked about that they earn each other's love. Um, then the other quote that was a favorite part, and I also think one of the most important parts is after they get back together the second time, because he had just had the miscommunication with her about the 
the working out for a date and then like going to the breakfast buffet. Um, they go and eat the cro crofanut what the whatever monstrosity, the croissant, the muffin, the donut, and the I think it had caffeine in it. Like and there was caffeine, like four caffeine. four espressos worth. Um, monstrosity is a very good description. Thank you. <laughs> but they go back to her house and she was asking um, – because she was hungry and she asked him if he wanted pizza or fried rice because all she had was leftovers. And, you know, he was saying, like, I can't. And then obviously she starts shutting down. So his quote is, what I eat or don't eat is irrelevant. And just – I think that that's so empowering, like, for her because she's always thought, like, well, you know, if you're not eating, then obviously I'm not eating. Like, I'm not going to be the only one eating. But that's not the way he was thinking. He's just like, I have to keep up with my diet. I have to keep up with my workouts because that's part of his literal job. I'm going to be judgy here for a minute. But <laughs> you be he judgy. really couldn't just have a cheat day and eat that would have saved them i mean obviously he wouldn't have been able to recognize that she had issues um with like certain phrases and understanding people's intentions so i mean it kind of needed to happen so that he could learn that you know if she doesn't want to work out herself or the way she eats but Come on, man. Have a cheat day. Well, maybe, I think also it boils down to he didn't know what was coming next. So he didn't know what kind of shape he needed to be in. And I think I watched oh. my experience. Like if you don't keep up with something, it's very easy to fall off that slope if you're not doing something. But anyways. I mean, I guess. But <laughs> if you go over to a girl's house and you like think she walks on water and you want to date this woman – sit down and eat leftovers with her man well listen, he wasn't saying attention. no to leftovers he was saying no to those because later remember they order thai or something and he just he gets like grilled or boiled chicken with veggies and she gets something different but they still enjoy a meal together even though it's two different things and but this wasn't the same day <laughs> yeah it was no yeah later no. that later that evening no because they broke up right so she, they had leftovers together and that, no, 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 she wanted to have leftovers, excuse me. And he goes, no, I can't eat. And I think, doesn't he suggest, this is not the same day. No, they have, they have a nice um, tumble in the sheets together that afternoon. In the end, April ordered yet more takeout for dinner. Steamed chicken and vegetables for Marcus. Red curry with shrimp and rice for herself. Oh, so is it they break up after the museum? They break up again after her parents' house. See, this is no... I... They only break up I can't stand about this book. (laughs) All right, so anyways, that was was the part. And um, your favorite parts or quotes. (laughs) Okay. Pretty much any time Alex is on the page, I am yes. here for it. So, yep. um, obviously, we talked about Alex revealing himself as a fanfic writer, fanfiction mm-hmm. writer at the con, um, and he just straight tells everybody that there's pegging and his fanfictions, which I I laughed out loud. I thought he was so funny. Didn't he say Cupid needed more pegging too? Like he was just he was there for the pegging. <laughs> 
Yeah, he he made me laugh. Honestly, I kept thinking every time he was on the page, I was like, "Man, I'd rather be reading the second book." Right now. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the things I remember, some of the stuff I remember most was stuff that like really impacted me or like made me almost <laughs> want to cry. Um, I love the quote. Okay, well. Like around, it was page 345, it says, when it was much too late, he'd been, he'd been brave too. He told the truth, all of it. He'd exposed his heart to her without artifice or omission and told her, this part of me is pyrite, not gold. And I, I love, I love that, that recognition of, I'm not perfect. This part of me is broken or damaged or angry or just some sort of flawed part of him but like I think this is in the context of when he was telling her that he was Bond is that right I think it's around that time it's around that time or it's after when she's kind of having her epiphany I I think it's I think it's after when she's having her epiphany about the fact that she was probably overly emotional that day and didn't need to break up with him even though she had because she says when it was much too late he'd been brave too. I don't know. That that was just one of my favorite lines. It's a callback to earlier in the book. I believe it at the first date when she the museum. thinks of no no during their first date at the dinner. He I believe she makes a reference to old oh yeah he's not real so i i do believe it's a callback to that so i i love that line i think it's it's great um the part one of my favorite parts but it also made me like ball was um 387 at the con there's a i think she's like a 20 something year old but she comes up to ask a question during the panel that April's moderating and she ends up asking April a question instead of Summer. And uh, April can tell that this girl's question kind of had an ulterior motive. And so April thinks to herself, uh, she's like, please tell me people who look like us can be loved. Please tell me people who look like us can be desired. Please tell me people who look like us can have happy endings. And that made me cry. I, that was, uh, hit me in the feels real hard. <laughs> it was just one of those moments in the book. And there, there were a few. This is just the one, um, the pyrite quote and this one. Um, that's just so vulnerable. It is. So let's talk about our least favorite part. Which we have the same one. <laughs> so our least favorite part was definitely their breakup that was in the parking lot. It felt repetitive to us um, because it is the second time that they broke up in the book. Um, I mean, if you can call the first time breaking up, they have been on two dates and she called it quits. But um, it's also frustrating because as April notices later, she took it too far because of her very overly emotional day with her parents. Like she reflects back later and just, she's like, I shouldn't have broken up with him. 
I was very emotionally drained that day. It was very rough day for me. But that happened to be the day that she found out that he was Bond. So, yeah, honestly, each time they break up is my least favorite part. Um, it's like a roller coaster up and down. You've got to watch. But um, it's like, can you guys please just talk to each other and make an effort to understand where the other ones come in the moment? Um because if you don't, if you don't learn from each other and try and grow together, y'all are just going to keep breaking up. And it's right. Like, I mean, they, fina- they finally the got there at the end of the book. They yeah. finally got there. <laughs> but you're right. It was very frustrating any time that they called it quits. Um. So what stuck out the most honestly i think it was how human and vulnerable marcus was he's not um like macho or conceited um because for years he's been playing this um golden retriever character and he talks about workouts and deflects all kinds of in-depth thoughts or questions and uh, I guess I'm just surprised that after years and years of doing it that it hasn't become his part of his core personality he actually can be a normal person right and that it hasn't like affected him I really like Marcus Uh, I like Marcus better than April (laughs) I'm gonna admit um I mean, as you said, April was very quick to judge and just assume everyone had bad intentions, which is, I understand why, but it's, it makes it a very frustrating read. Yeah, I just, um, I, I love that Marcus was dyslexic, but he also, like April, he wasn't ashamed of being, quote, different um right he was very incredibly down to earth he doesn't have these lofty celebrity personality or anything i love that he's a writer and that he cares so much about gods of the gates and he has it seems like he has great relationship with his his castmates and every time besides ian that was his name right right the fish guy all of their text messages or to each other were really cute. And I, I love that about the book at the end of the chapter, the different, um, I don't think it, is it like, uh, the different I know they scripts did some, of like movies he'd been in. Yeah. Scripts and then text messages and then like, DMs. They're, they're, yeah. Chatting. Um, I really love that a way to kind of close a chapter. Yeah, especially like when she would bring in the scripts, they he had just been talking about it with April or the DMs related to something that they were just talking about. Like it was all relevant and like you said, a nice way to just close up that chapter. That's another thing about Marcus. He's incredibly, uh, well, humble, but hardworking too because some of those scripts are horrible. He's been in some bad movies, but I love how driven he is to succeed and 
but still remain humble and improve his craft. Yes. And as April points out, he did anything and everything to make sure he was very authentic in his craft. Like when he was that um, perfume person, like he went and studied under someone who was a perfumer and how to like sniff out different parts of the perfume. Like he took his craft very seriously. So scenes that made us cry or laugh out loud. So I mostly just had scenes that made me laugh out loud or LOL. Um, I think mostly because this was my second read. Like I tried to read it and remember where I might have been crying or emotional the first time, which I think mainly was just April and her mom's relationship, but some of my favorite LOL scenes. So one, when Marcus has the three scripts and he wants April to look over them and she says, Marcus, we've been over this before. I'm an incredibly nosy bitch. Of course I want to see your scripts because he's like, I don't know if you want to look at these. And she's like, no, I do. Um, Another one that I have right here, I thought that this was written by... um, April, but it says it was written by Lavinius, my goddess and savior, but it's part of Aeneas's Angry Boner Week when they're all writing like the really smutty fan fiction. (laughs) And like one of the last sentences is, I think you just knocked over a water glass with your dick, she says. And so he has like, (laughs) yeah, that just like, I just about lost it. And then the last, um, one that I have is the very end, like we talked about the text messages and um, two parts of it. One where Alex, because, you know, they always make fun of Ian. Alex says, is tuna rage a thing? Like roid rage, only smellier and less articulate. <laughs> and then at the other end, when Ian like seems to have left the um, left the chat and Maria says he swam away like his beloved fish, which are vertebrates, unlike him. And <laughs> Kara goes, Ithology Shade, I love my goddamn life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, this book definitely had some very funny parts to it, but. Yeah, it it definitely did. I felt like um, the scenes that stuck most, the ones that I'm, when I think of this book, I'm going to associate, really hit me in the feels, made me want to cry. So, um, one of those definitely was during her mother's birthday party when she kind of takes her aside and wants to talk to her. She's going to lay down the law and set boundaries and kind of set a course for how their relationship is going to progress from this moment. And um, it, that one... <laughs> That one made me cry. They're both very crying and April's recalling how her mother used to stand in the mirror and pinch her skin. And when her emotionally abusive father wouldn't allow her mother to come to his work parties because she had baby weight. And I was just, I was stunned that a man would treat his wife and daughter that way. I mean, well, and she never had another kid because she didn't want to have to bounce back like that again. Yeah, that one, that so one got me. <laughs> well, and so with that, that's also one of my badassery moments. 
is when she is standing up to her mom. And this is the quote, and this definitely started making me cry too. She said, I don't want to talk about my body with you ever again. No matter how her voice shook, she had to make her boundaries clear. Absolute and unmistakable, so their violation couldn't be mistaken for confusion. I won't discuss what I eat or don't eat. I won't discuss how I exercise or don't exercise. I won't discuss how I look or don't look. I won't discuss test results or medications. My weight, my health, and my clothing are all off limits. And I felt like that was just like so empowering to her character because she is finally going to kind of help her inner child heal and the part that she says that she had to make her boundaries clear that the boundaries had to be absolute and unmistakable so she had to continue going even though you could tell this was not a conversation what she wanted to have she was not like happy about it she was not um I think she was confident in the fact of what she was saying, but she said her voice shook. Like, I feel like it was a very authentic way you would, like, if you were in her situation, that you would probably talk to a parent. Like, it's not like you would just start going off on them, but it would be something that is emotional for both of you. And my other badassery moment is when she's making her list at the, kind of near the beginning, number eight. And it says, immediately dump any man who wants to change me and or doesn't seem proud to be with me in public. And I just think that's something to live by for all of us. (laughs) All right, so now we have our character profiles. We did one on both Marcus and April as they are the two main characters in the book. So uh, let's start with Marcus. A little background information with him. Growing up, he had undiagnosed dyslexia. His scholar parents became frustrated with his lack of achievement. He always felt disappointed by this, but over time he realized that he would never be good enough and started acting like he didn't care and started forming his new persona. So at the beginning of this book, Marcus just finished his role on Gods at the Gates, which I think spanned almost 10 years. I think so. I think it was like seven or eight. It was Mm -hmm. a a long role. And so now he's wondering what comes next in his career. I mean, Gods of the Gates was like, I think his giant breakout role because everything else before that, all the scripts that we'd seen were kind of garbage scripts. Yes. um, Now he's debating on what projects to take. And then he's also debating on what to do with his public persona because he enjoyed having his public persona of the not so smart guy when he was in gods of the gates because he really butted heads with the directors and the direction they were taking gods of the gates um so he didn't want to have to you know talk about that but now he's deciding does he want to shed his persona and we talked about that a little bit at the beginning yeah i think by shedding his persona too it might help him get more i don't know if it's like emotional roles or like serious um being i guess a more serious actor um not that he wasn't in gods of the gate but maybe just expanding what he does by you know yeah i mean he wants to show that he can be a serious actor i think he wants to not just be that strong buff dum-dum that he's been I mean because that's what a lot of his roles seem to be um and 
how are the fans going to react? I think that's his biggest thing is he doesn't want to upset them because they've gotten him where he is. So Marcus's character development throughout the book, I mean, he's just trying to really come to terms with where his life is headed as an almost 40 year old, which is, I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, 20, 26 here and I don't know what I'm doing. So, right. I think he's also trying to get out of the corner. He's backed himself into, right. um, and kind of expand not all, not only his professional, but personal life too. Right. And he's just trying to, become the best version of himself that he can be. I mean, he kind of was who he was throughout the whole book, in my opinion. Um, The only thing was his public persona not matching his personal one and just becoming more aware when it came to April about, like, what he said, how he said it, what he brought up, and that sort of thing. So April, um, growing up, April's mom was very conscious of her daughter's body, what she ate, and how she took care of it. Her father was emotionally abusive while her mother tried to quote, help the situation by forcing her to change what she looked to fit his ideal of what women look like. And we already discussed briefly that, you know, April's mom was definitely in, She's the, definitely... in the wrong for doing it, but she didn't know any other way. I mean, her She's husband definitely... wouldn't touch her, take right. her anywhere unless she looked his standard of women. <laughs> Right. She's definitely experienced some trauma herself in regards to her body, her size, and whatnot. So um, I think it definitely in her mind, she's trying to protect April. But it just doesn't end up working. All short. And... No, so, it definitely ends up hurting her daughter. It does. Um. So at the beginning of the book, April is switching jobs and she's moving and she's making personal changes by being more open about her interests. She couldn't do that at her previous job, um, but she knows that in this new job that they discuss what they do in their personal lives. And so she's very excited about that. I get it. Everybody's different, but like it was really kind of a stretch for the author that she had to be afraid at work that she liked something like i'm sure there's plenty of people running around in business suits who love game of thrones and watch that every weekend like i i thought it was a bit of a stretch that she was so worried about her job because i mean i get it she writes muddy stuff on the internet but like if she doesn't tell people who she is they're never gonna know it's her but she can talk about the fact that she watches the show and enjoys it there's nothing wrong with that well yeah and um her you know quote-unquote best friend at that job didn't even know that she like liked that show i know that's just so crazy to me It, it seems like april's not very good at um talking to other people oh for sure for sure she's not (laughs) so her character development april struggles with trusting others intentions throughout the book she jumps to conclusions and tends to cut off relations without discussing or expressing her feelings adequately part of april's growth is learning to open up about traumatic experiences in her past with those that love her and she trusts 
and that ultimately will lead her to forming stronger connections to people in real life and find true love. (laughs) So April, I mean, her character development was really just that. I mean, it was learning to express herself more, I think, and just trusting others when they've proven they can be trusted. And I think the main thing is here, don't jump to conclusions. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, foreshadowing with this book, we don't really have anything foreshadowing because, yes, there is a sequel, but it's going to follow Alex and um, his handler. So there's not really – and they already told us that they got engaged at the end of the book. So we don't really have any predictions for this book, but stay tuned for next month. <laughs> <laughs> So, ratings of the book, um, I gave it five stars. It was a quick, fun read that really highlights and focuses on things not mentioned in typical formats, which also makes it very refreshing. I loved the storyline. The characters were fantastic, and the author's writing was also excellent. So, I'd give it probably like a three to three and a half. I definitely enjoyed it. It's a good book, but it's definitely one I wouldn't pick up again. Um, it was cute. It was fine. Yeah. So then our spicy rating scale. Um, this is kind of adapted from Bookish Hill on TikTok. So a one chili pepper would be, um, like fade to black scenes or books with like no sex in it whatsoever. A two star would be whatever is happening on page isn't being explicitly said. It's like Mm -hmm. flying in the clouds or just like tons of metaphors and euphemisms for the characters getting it on. (laughs) Three chili peppers would be scenes that have a couple of some spicy scenes, but it's not really like driving the plot the plot is still there for the book the spicy scenes are just extra which is exactly where spoiler alert fell for us um four chili peppers would be you know the the spicy scenes are driving some of the plot in the book and they are very relevant and important and very graphic and very explicit and a five chili pepper is this is pretty much an erotic book (laughs) (laughs) I think, right? That's that's kind of what we talked yeah. about for our spicy scale. Yep. Yeah, I definitely think three is right on point. Um, they it do did, it. It did have a few scenes. They that let were you very know, graphic. right? They let you know what they're up to. I mean, I just was looking through the book and I came across the page where he's describing what she tastes like, and I'm like, "Whoa, TMI!" <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like always such a thing. Especially in, like, the Steel Brothers saga that I read. But. It, was, it was cute. It was nice, though. I love how much they loved each other. Yes. And she even not, stated. Not like gross, <laughs> right. But, like, she even stated that it was just nice to feel cherished by someone for her body. Yeah. And not feel like yeah. he has to put up with it to be with her. But, like, he loves her body and her. Exactly. They were very attracted to each other. I love that. So some general reading updates. Um, So some top three books this month or books we've read. I read, well, actually listened to on Audible, but the Bridge Kingdom series by Daniel Jensen. Um, I loved books one and two. They were four stars for me. They were really, really well written, twists and turns, and um, 
I just really enjoyed it. Book three for me was a three star. Um, it's following two different characters, but it's following those two different characters pretty much the same timeline as the first two books. So I would have liked to see this series following all four characters for all however many of the books, because then we could still see the characters in book one and two in book three and like see how they, because I don't think their story was done yet at the end of book two, but I don't, it was kind of just a repetitive book because I'd already read about everything that had happened. Yes, Mm -hmm. I had new information that I didn't the first time, but very minimal new information. And it was just so So do you think it would have been better maybe as like a novella? I haven't read it. No spoilers. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that it – well, it was was actually a really – it was was a longer book, this third one, because it was the span of the first two. Like oh, wow. the the exact same timeline. So, I, novella, no. I think it just would have been better if she wrote all four characters into those two books, and just oh, had gotcha. some longer books or turned it into three. Kind of like split POVs, then. Well, yeah, and she already did split POVs, but between two characters in each book, the two love interests. So she could have just done four. I mean, Sarah J. Mass did that with a, uh, you know, her. With Air of Fire, Queen of Shadows. I mean, she did so many split POVs. Game of Thrones did that with, I mean, from the get-go, he did that with multiple, multiple characters. And I just think it would have been better to read it like that. (laughs) So I am currently reading um, Souls by Megan Walters. Um, She is on Book Talk, an indie book talker. And also another indie book talker, um, I'm reading Duality by Becca Fogg. And then I am reading House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass. Because... It's just was released a few days ago. <laughs> nice. Nice. So um, this past month, I read King of Battle and Blood by Scarlet St. Clair. I gave it about two and a half stars. Um, it, it was all right. But I think the thing that kind of was a drawback for me was that it was predictable. I kind of saw where the plot was going. So I... Two and a half stars. It was it was all right. Um, another book I read just actually this past week was called Elves of Ardani by Nina Westra. I got that on Kindle Unlimited. I think it was um, probably solid on TikTok, honestly. And uh, it was very engaging. I liked it well enough that I snagged the second one to find out. I got to figure out what happens. I to did see you started reading those on, on Goodreads. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to finish those. I'm also currently semi reading court by Tracy Wolf. It's one of those that I read a little bit and then I go <sighs> and have to switch. Like <laughs> I, I, I can't help myself. I just, I know reading those books. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> All right. So pop sugar challenge update. I read the bridge kingdom and for that one, I used it for a book about a secret because they keep the bridge, uh, a complete secret from any outsiders. Um, and then we did also get an email sent in to us for a book recommendation of tiger's curse by Colleen Hawk, which fits the pop sugar challenge. Um, tiger is in the title and there's a title tiger on the cover. So yeah. So go check it out. Yeah. All right. So thank you all for listening in about spoiler alert. We will be reading House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass for our March read. 
we also have already recorded a little bonus episode um, of just our our thoughts on the first one. It's a little bit of a chaotic episode, but uh, that'll be dropping um, mid-March. Yeah, so stay tuned for that, and please feel free to contact us with book recommendations. We love hearing from you, and if you'd like us to mention it in the podcast, just let us know. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye.